0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more
2: at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We do more varieties and flavors of cheese than anywhere else on earth. By pushing the boundaries of what cheese can and should be, find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com.
1: Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you had a really great holiday season, and I'm so excited to be back. And this is our 344th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a fabulous executive pastry chef, who is based in Brooklyn, New York City, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to always have dessert. Yes, satisfy your sweet tooth even if it means just having one bite or sharing with others. Life's simply too short to skip dessert, and there are too many amazing options to pass on. And according to some research, enjoying dessert may even do us a bit of good, helping to ease digestion and and raise serotonin levels in the brain, making us feel calmer and happier. Plus, chocolate is known to help lower blood pressure and improve heart health. So if for nothing else, do it for you and your health and be a dessert person. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm really excited to have my guest joining me. It is Caroline Schiff. She is the executive pastry chef at Gage Tolner in downtown Brooklyn, New York City. As a celebrated pastry chef, culinary consultant, and recipe writer and developer, Caroline is the author of The Sweet Side of Sourdough a James Beard Outstanding Pastry Chef Award nominee of 2022 and Food & Wine Best New Chef in 2022. And she is widely known under the Instagram moniker at Pastry Chef. She got her start in the restaurant industry over a decade ago and worked her way up through a number of acclaimed restaurants and bakeries before taking her her current position at Gage Tolner, Her signature gravity-defying hairdo is outsized only by her enormous heart. In her spare time, you can find her either supporting charitable causes or running a marathon. And without further ado, hi, Caroline. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I see you at all these events and with all your energy and your amazing hair. (laughs) And um, I'm, you know, we've talked about you coming on on my show. And so I'm really, really thrilled to be doing this today. Me too. I'm so honored to be here. Well, thank you. Honored to have you. And I love starting out with my guests and finding out how they got into this crazy industry. So do you want to take us back a little bit and, and what your career path was? Sure. Well, I always tell people I started in pastry
3: like right around the time I learned how to walk (laughs) because I really really loved, (laughs) I really, really loved, uh, baking and dessert and, and creating things in the kitchen for as long as I can remember. It just was something that was so instinctual to me and that I was so obsessed with from a very young age. Um, I was just, uh, I actually, I was with my mother like two days ago and she was, she had been catching up with an old friend of hers who said, um, I just remember when Caroline was little, she was always baking. (laughs) Um,
1: cool.
3: it's like, yep, yep. That sounds about right. So, you know, I really, I've kind of, this has always been something that I feel like is somehow in my, like kind of coded into my DNA and, um, you know, I didn't go to culinary school. I uh, got an academic degree. I was a French major, um, which sometimes comes in handy with pastry. But but I really, after university, I really just, I started working kitchens and I started as an intern and I started at the Good Fork, which is still um, kicking today in Red Hook, Brooklyn same partners as Gage and Tolner so there's a whole kind of full story full circle
1: you know story there there totally is did you so did you go to school in New York and as as has everything been centered around no I'm I'm from I'm from New York I mostly grew up
3: um In the city, but I actually ended up going to university in Scotland. um, Oh! Yeah, and then I did a year in France. Wow! um, Yeah, I loved it. It's it's. We're actually prepping here for like a Scottish Burns Night dinner in the coming weeks, and I'm so excited. I'm 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 not Scottish at all. I don't have Scottish heritage, but I just it's one of my favorite places on earth. It's amazing.
1: So what was it? So why did you decide to get a job or uh, like make it a career, go get it? Or at the time you were at the Good Fork, were you just, yeah? let me kind of testing the waters. Let me see if I like this. I think for me, like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very, very
3: passionate person. And I put so much. I also, I, I, for better or worse like i I think my i my career is like such a huge part of my personality, and I think from kind of day one, I sort of knew that if I didn't do something I loved, I would totally lose my mind so i and I and from the moment I stepped into a restaurant kitchen um I got bit by the bug. Like I was like, it was so energizing to me. It was enthralling. It was exciting. And I mean, it still, it still has that for me. Like I still love working dinner service and I love, I mean, it's not like the best use of my time to be doing that all the time, but I love plating the desserts. I love like that, you know, I love working at night. I love scrubbing the kitchen down at one o'clock in the morning. I know it sounds crazy, but like there's a magic to it. And I, I felt that right away. And I was like, this is it. This is for me. This is what I'm going to do. And that's kind of it. Yeah. I didn't look.
1: Yeah. Well that, I mean, to do what you love, that's, I mean, that's I think the key to actually the key to life in a sense. Yeah. (laughs) So I saw, I saw in, uh, I don't know, in a, a longer or different bio of yours that you also spent time working at, w- w- at Moss or Moss La Yeah. Blood? Yeah.
3: I was at Moss Farmhouse and Moss La Griade, which um, sadly are not around anymore, but those are two really, really special places um, uh, under Chef Galen Zamara, who's yes, rem- um, just a oh. oh, wonderful, wonderful person to work for and work with. He's out in uh, Park City, Utah now doing all kinds of amazing things. But um, just a, I, I loved working at those restaurants. I still like go back to some of the desserts I was making there and and things I
1: learned. And it's it, it was an amazing experience. Amazing. They were very special restaurants. And yeah. I had the opportunity to work with Galen uh, briefly he was there was a, a a fast casual restaurant that opened um it was a European brand <coughs> excuse oh, me called XD. yeah mm-hmm. I remember he that he was the consulting chef and I did PR for them for a bit so oh,
3: amazing I remember when he was doing all the R&D for that it was really cool
1: yeah, it was a cool it was a cool project and and, and concept and uh, to work on and it was really nice to get to know him and work with him on that and as someone who was always a fan of his restaurants. So yeah, um, good to know he's out in Utah now. I wasn't sure. Yeah,
3: he is and I you know he just he was in the city kind of over last summer and um came into Gage and Tolner and it was just so wonderful to see him and you know kind of go down memory lane for a few minutes like it's it's really cool to you know see where everybody's ended up and what they're doing but that's um that was a very uh special time in my career and really
1: informative and yeah just amazing amazing and that must have been cool having him come in and see what you're everything you're doing at Gage and Tolner yeah Uh-oh. yeah so cool So it's a good segue into talking about what are you doing at Gage and Tolner and do you want it, you, you you touched on it briefly about going full circle with the career from the good fork to Gage and Tolner, but do you want to explain that a little further to people listening and, and what the concept is of, of Gage and Tolner?
3: Sure, sure. So, um, I will do a very, very brief history and, and I encourage anybody to, you know, go and look up the story of Gage and Tolner and the historical society has tons of stuff. And, and we have tons of ephemera and that kind of thing, but basically Gage and Tolner uh, is, and now, you know, was and now is again um, chop house oyster house located on the Fulton mall in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn. And it opened in the 1870s and then it closed in 2004. And it was reopened by the current uh, by the partners today. Um, so he Kim, uh, her husband Ben Schneider, and Sinjin Frizell. So they reopened it. We were originally supposed to open March 2020. We all know what happened. Don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but um, we we were able to uh, reopen in April 2021 and um it's this incredible historic space it's all the interior is landmarked which was a blessing because that means that that was really the reason why it survived all these years so it's a landmarked space um the renovation or i should say more the the restoration was done um all in accordance with uh the landmarks commission And it's just, it's absolutely breathtaking. You step back in time when you walk into this space. And, um, you know, because it's landmarked and because it's just so, so special, I really don't think that anything could exist in this space other than Gage and Tolner. So it really took um, a very special group of people who, we dedicated to bringing it back and doing it justice and really respecting the history and, and also bringing a bit of new life into it. So um, back in like 20, I want to say it was like 2017, 2018, probably 2018. Um, I had lunch with Chef Sohi, who's been my mentor since like 2008. She's chef owner of The Good Fork. Um, And we just, we grabbed lunch to catch up. And she was like, you know, we saw this space. It's known as Gage and Tolner. And I immediately, like, I love old New York stuff. And I just immediately was like, oh my God, I know all about it. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, I think we're going to try to do it, you know, she was like, Ben and I are going to try to do it with Sinjin, who I know just as long as them, because he worked at the Good Fork when I was there while he was opening Fork Defiance. So I immediately was like, I I have to do that. I have to be part of this. Like, I am in. Um, and that was the same conversation where we talked about a baked Alaska, which is also funny because it was like, literally, there was nothing, this the restaurant was just a, maybe conversation at that point but we were like oh there's got to be a baked Alaska on the menu of course yeah so that's how I I you know ended up kind of back with the same wonderful folks after whatever 15-ish years
1: it's it's great I mean there's so much in that and it's it's all all such a great story and the history of the restaurant and and bringing it back and I have to say when I when I went in um, for the first time and I was looking back, I talked about my solo dining experience of going to Gage and Tolner. It's on my episode 298, if anyone wants to go back. it's um, And it was from August 2021, so a couple months after you're open. And I was just am- – I loved my experience. I was at the bar. I went and it was a walk-in, and it – and. Just the vibe and the energy of the place—it's just so special. And the meal um, was incredible. And I, on that meal, ended up getting your coconut layer cake,
0: mm. which was to
1: die for. Um, and I've come back since and had the baked Alaska. So oh, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. It's um, your desserts are your desserts are fabulous, and oh, this so. is a good segue into my question from my last um, uh, my guest on episode 342. I asked him to ask you a question. So I had on Marcus Glocker, the chef and partner mm-hmm. at Polomon, which is a contemporary French restaurant blending Parisian creativity and Viennese tradition in New York City's Nomad neighborhood. And he wants to know, what's your thought process for the desserts you currently have on your menu and how have you developed them and brought them into now. And he noted that he's all about dessert. He he actually thinks it's the most important part of the meal. Every time he goes out, he has to have dessert. And, Love it. Um, he, was, <laughs> and he was noting also a little similarity between Koloman and, and Gage and Tolner a bit with taking like all the years of, of recipes and like how you make them for today. So. Yeah. Well, I think like the way I approach...
3: The menu is there's a couple things happening there's the um there's the historical aspect which i am so into and you just you can get so much inspiration from old menus you know the baked alaska is a victorian era dessert coconut cake you know kind of brings us back to a very specific time and place like we're you know there's cheesecake which there's an association of, you know, New York cheesecake, that kind of thing. So there's this drawing inspiration from the past without being like kitschy throwback, like giving it, you know, a little breath of fresh air, but having the the roots and the DNA be just, just very, very clear. So I really love, um, you know, going back and then kind of thinking about, okay, what's my touch that I'm going to put on this. So there's that historical aspect. And also in terms of Gage and Tolner for the whole menu, it's, you know, it's about looking back, getting inspired, um, paying homage to all of that. And then, you know, giving it that, that sort of new touch, I guess. Um, and, you know, and as chefs seeing ourselves in the menu, you know. Um, so there's that side of it. And then there's um, seasonality, which is always uh, driving force for me. And that that really goes back to um, my time at Moss with Galen, where, I mean, he was so dedicated to having somebody go to the green market every single day that it was open and getting everything there. And, you know, you would, he would have us like, it's it's where I started making like lists of like things that were coming in soon and things that were going to go out of season and, you know, strawberries are coming in. So where do, you know, how do we want to showcase the strawberries, that kind of thing, really being like super driven by that. Um, And I still think that way with certain dishes on the menu, you'll see certain dishes change seasonally and others you won't. So I've kind of like struck a balance, you know, between those two things. And then the other thing that I think about is just what do I want for dessert? And it's really personal. And people are like, oh, where did you get the idea for like those three flavors in the Baked Alaska? And I'm like, those are just my favorite flavors of ice cream.
1: <laughs> there you go.
3: You know, a lot of the inspiration just comes from like, you know, my six-year-old self thinking about like all the delicious things that I want to create and eat. So that's that's kind of how I how I look at it and approach it. And then, of course, there's lots of practical things that have to come into play in terms of food cost and labor cost and all of that. Um but from like a, from the whimsical standpoint, that's where, that's where I kind of approach
1: it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Do you, did you start doing celebration cakes at the the launch or relaunch or, or is that something you've added on? We added that on
3: maybe a couple months in. <clears throat> and I did that because, um, one, I, I love making layer cakes and I, So I was like, great, like, you know, opportunity to make fun birthday cakes and, you know, whatever anniversaries, whatever people are celebrating. But um, I feel like specifically it really uh, has a place at Gage and Tolner because this is just such a celebratory restaurant and... I mean, people come here every night, like, you know, we have all the soignets on the tickets and it's a birthday, it's an anniversary, it's a congratulations, it's a, it's something significant. And so I wanted to offer people something special that they could add on to their meal. And, you know, we don't do them to go. I don't want to run a cake shop or anything. So it's really about completing your, uh, really putting a bow on your whole celebratory experience at Gage and Tolner and i think cakes are so special, you know, like if i do a wedding cake here it feels, you know, wow, you you get to have this this hand in 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 the most important day of of people's lives. like it's just it's so special, it's so cool. so it was something i really wanted to add and It kind of like it ebbs and flows. There are weeks where we have like a whole bunch of cake orders and then it'll be quiet. And, you know, it's it's just like one of those things that when people are, you know, coming in with a large group and they're celebrating a birthday and we take that reservation, we we tell them, oh, you know, just so you know, we do celebration cakes. And it's it's so fun.
1: Yeah, no it's it's great it's it's really wonderful you do that because I do feel there's something about the restaurant uh, there are so many reasons I think why it's it's a it's a celebratory restaurant. It it feels like a place you want to go celebrate a, a, an occasion or just pop in for the bar by yourself and have oysters. <laughs>
3: Exactly. Well, I love the different facets of Gage and Tulner. Like, I love the fact that, like, at five o'clock, you have people who just, like, pop into the bar, have some Parker House rolls and oysters, and then, like, go on with their evening. And then you have people who come and are celebrating a 90th birthday. And it's, like, that... Ability to have both of those experiences happening in the same room at the same time, I think is just so magical. It's so great.
1: Yeah, yeah, very true. And talk a bit about what's upstairs. There's the Sunken Harbor Club, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, the Sunken Harbor Club. So I'm
3: actually sitting, we have a lot going on upstairs, actually. Okay. I'm sitting upstairs right now because it was the the quiet the quietest spot I could find at the moment. Um, so upstairs we have the Sunken Harbor Club, which is um, uh, St. John Frizzell's Tiki Bar. And it is, uh, it there was no relation to the original Gage and Tolmer. Um. But the funny story is that if it hadn't been for Sinjin wanting to open a cocktail bar in downtown Brooklyn, the partners would have never seen Gage and Tolner and none of this would have happened. So the story is that, you know, Sinjin who owns Fort Defiance down in Red Hook, he he was looking to open another bar somewhere in downtown Brooklyn. He felt like the neighborhood was really lacking and it was a really uh, great opportunity. So he had asked Sohi to consult on the food menu, and he had asked Ben to help with looking at spaces and and sort of the build out and everything. And they said, great, you know, we'd love to help you out with this. So uh, Ben and Sinjin were out with a broker, looking at all these spaces downtown. They don't see anything they like. And then end of the day, she's like, I'm going to show you another space. It's totally not what you're looking for, but I just think you would, you know, want to see it. And they start walking up the Fulton Mall and Sinjin, who's really um, well read on all of his New York history was like, oh my God, is she taking us to Gage and Tolner?
1: And not knowing
3: that. Not and Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden they're standing at Gage and Tolner and she's like, I know this isn't what you're looking for, but you know, I just wanted to show it to you. And that's what kind of sparked the whole thing. So Sunken Harbor club was this, uh, kind of catalyst for the whole project in a way. Um, and so it's, it's not, it doesn't have to do with the original Gage and Tolner. There was not a Sunken Herbert club upstairs, but, um, I tell people that it is just the coolest bar in New York. You walk in, it is like you're in the hull of a sunken ship. It's so fun and transportive and um, just like such a departure from reality. It's, it's such a blast. Um, obviously, the cocktails are the focus up there. And, uh, but we do, we do a menu, we do have a food menu and it's, I think it's so complimentary to the cocktails and it's fun and it's kind of like food you want when you're drinking strong drinks.
1: <laughs> right. And I saw, I was looking at the menu online and correct me if I'm wrong, but do you have miso, butterscotch pudding? Is that Yeah. You? Yeah, okay. I do. That sounds um, so
3: one delicious. one dessert up there, and that was something I worked on with Sohi a lot because um, we were thinking about like you know you want something with with dessert when you're drinking sweet or you know sweet drinks, fruity drinks, things with rum. You know, you kind of almost want something savory to to kind of balance it out. And so, yes, it's a dessert. It's sweet, but the miso gives it a really um kind of like savory foundation and it and it has that mouthwatering saltiness. So, um and it's served with unsweetened whipped cream and then like a whole bunch of coconut flakes. And it just kind of it seemed to really like work with the cocktails in this in this way and balance out, um, you know, the, the rum heavy, uh, menu. So yeah, it's, it's fun. And it's like, I love that it's, you walk upstairs and it's this totally different experience.
1: Yes, I have to come. I actually, I got a tour of the space when I was there, but it was like, right must've been right before your opening or near getting close. And so I saw the space, but not in in full opening action and yeah I need to come come enjoy it you need to come
3: let me know um but yeah upstairs also we have our private dining rooms upstairs we also have um something called the dolphin bar which is another um uh sort of lounge bar area that is open um on the busier nights of the week so if you're waiting for your table you can come upstairs. There's fireplace. It's very like Victorian dark wood. It's, it's really awesome. So it's like, you know, all these little different rooms upstairs that have um, real personality that weren't part of the original Gage and Tolner. But I think like we've done an incredible job just sort of blending them with the space and creating a whole experience um, so it's very cool.
1: It sounds very cool, and yes, I have to come come back Anytime. And, and also <laughs> yes, and also come down downstairs too. I'm so due, I'm definitely due for both experiences, so um, put it on my calendar, figure it out, yes. <laughs> And um, before we take a break, just one more question I'll ask is, uh, what advice would you give to someone out there listening or who wants to be a pastry chef and follow in a career path like yours?
3: Um, my my one piece of advice, or, you know, I think the number one piece of advice, because I have lots, yeah. um, is find a mentor. You know, find somebody in the industry who you one really admire but more importantly that like you click with um and and you know foster that relationship and um you know lean on them when it's appropriate and when you need to and tell them what you are excited about and want to do with your career um mentorship is is so so powerful and important. And, um, I, you know, I was very lucky to find an amazing mentor early on, uh, who's, I still get to work with today. Um, but it, I, I feel like that's like the number one thing that has been sort of, from, from day one has been like a kind of North star for me in terms of my
1: work. Yeah. Well, I love that. And that's a great note to end on here and take a little break. So we will do that and we will then come back. We'll play my speed round. We'll talk some industry news. I have my solo dining experience this week and the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
2: This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin, the state of cheese, makes half of the nation's specialty cheese and wins more awards than any other state or country. Our heritage and traditions, master cheesemaker program, and the American propensity for innovation all put Wisconsin on the cutting wedge of cheesemaking. With over 600 varieties of cheese to choose from and 5,500 national and international awards and counting, get ready to turn your refrigerator into a trophy case. Enjoying a Wisconsin cheese is basically like winning a gold medal in culinary achievement. Set your mind at cheese. When you bite into a wedge of Wisconsin wonderful, you know it is made with the ultimate skill and passion possible. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com.
1: Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Caroline Schiff. She is the executive pastry chef at Gage Tolner and at Sunken Harbor Club, which we just talked about, which is upstairs of Gage Tolner. And they're both in downtown Brooklyn, New York. So, Caroline... It's time for my speed round. Uh, what this Ooh. is is I'm going to name a couple things, and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla.
3: Okay. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm
1: like good example for you. Yeah. Well, chocolate or vanilla? Yeah. I want to know.
3: Oh, I That's actually my sample, but. contrary to what people might think, actually vanilla because it goes with everything, and it's and good vanilla is so good.
1: I I I hear you. I'm a chocolate girl, but but I get it. I get it. Yeah. Listen, that was, that was like the hardest question you could have asked me. Okay. So. <laughs>
0: well,
1: well, that's always been my sample, but I had to find out from you because. Yeah. Because. Okay. So here we go with the rest. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Oh, I think at the end of the day,
3: eating at home. Yeah. There's something so nice about that, especially if you spend a lot of time in restaurants. There's a a comfort to eating at home.
1: Yeah. I could see that. Okay. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Indoor. Indoor. I love being part
3: of the the whole scene and ecosystem of the restaurant. Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny because since I've been asking that one, I don't think anyone is like said that is the reason why but as soon as you were saying it I was like yes completely makes sense like the energy of the I want to
3: absorb that energy like Mm -hmm. I I mean I I love you'll see like if you come on a night where I'm working like I always come out and walk around the dining room like I just I have to I love to like say hi to people if I know them or not whatever (laughs) (laughs) who's this lady walking around um but I just yeah I just want to feel that energy it's magical
1: Magical. Okay. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Uh, well, since you gave me champagne as an option, champagne <laughs> all the
3: way. But if you hadn't given me that, I would have said wine.
1: <laughs> okay. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small yeah. plates or large plates? Ooh.
3: I feel like large plates and I'll tell you why because every time there's a small plate and it's something I really love I just always wish I had like way more of it
1: so I feel like I'm a I'm a large plate kind of gal okay good reasoning communal table or chef's counter mm, chef's counter tipping or all-inclusive charge oh that one is I mean, obviously,
3: that's a very loaded debate that we discuss all the time. In an ideal world, it would be an all-inclusive charge that ensures that the staff is all getting a sustainable livable
1: wage. Okay, well said. And health insurance. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's this is the one of my the one in this game that tricky, always yeah people. it's a tricky one yeah yeah it's not a it's not really a short answer even though it's in the speed round
3: yeah
1: okay I have a couple more baked Alaska or coconut layer cake I had to
3: <laughs> oh you're asking me
1: who my favorite child is which is
3: baked Alaska
1: <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> All right, I kind of got that at the beginning of the show. But, I um, did. you cannot compete with the baked Alaska. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite something. Okay, wearing your hair up or wearing it down, or you kind of wear it up down. It depends when you
3: you know if you see me out because we run into each other a lot. Like I do a kind of half up half down
1: thing. Yeah, but, um,
3: usually thing. just because it's so. It's, you know, it's got its own zip
1: code. I do. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Was, is your hair, was your hair always like, did you always have big hair like as a child?
3: Yep. It's always been big and ha- has a mind of its own.
1: <laughs> well, it's a signature and it's fabulous. It is, yeah. I mean, oh, and you own you. it. I love it. Thank you. Okay. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. uh Duh. But uh, listen, I love
3: if I, I mean, cheese is like my favorite food that's not dessert. So that's a hard one for <laughs>
1: me. <laughs> Close second there. Yeah. And the last one's Manhattan or Brooklyn?
3: Brooklyn. Even though I, you know, I was born in Manhattan, I spent much of my youth in Manhattan, but now it's, you know, Brooklyn because I have my whole community here, you know, I know my neighbors lived in my neighborhood since two thousand eight, you know. I have a whole like kind of universe here.
1: It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. As as, yeah. as as I say that from my Manhattan apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel half I I think half the people I know live in Brooklyn. I mean Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And for good, you know, it's kind of split between and good reasons for both. So,
3: yeah, but you know, my family's in Manhattan, so I kind of get the best of both worlds, you know, and you're just a subway right away. Very true. Great. That was the game. Amazing. That was so fun.
1: Yeah, it was fun. Okay. So, for industry news, I picked out an article that was in the New York Times. It came out mm-hmm. just the other day, and it is entitled Noma Rated the World's Best Restaurant is closing its doors. The Copenhagen chef, Rene Renzepi, says fine dining at the highest level with its grueling hours and intense workplace culture has hit a breaking point. It's unsustainable. And this was by Julia Moskin. So this was the big news, I'd say, of the the week. Um, I would guess Probably anyone listening to the show knows of Noma and knows of Rene Rinzebi and the influence this restaurant and he has had on the culinary industry and other chefs and other restaurants. And um, yeah, it's a big deal that he said he's going to be closing regular service at the end of 2024. And Noma will become a full-time food laboratory, developing dishes and products for its e-commerce operation no more projects and the dining rooms will be open only for periodic pop-ups which they do their pop-ups and his role will be something closer to chief creative officer than chef um i've been very fortunate to have been to copenhagen now twice and i went once to the mad conference which he had i think co-founded or was like Mm -hmm. his his um It was an incredible experience being there. And that time I was there for the MAD Conference in 2018, I dined at NOMA uh, with some friends. And it was the vegetable season um, because they have the three seasons they do through the year. And it was extraordinary. Uh, So um, I have a reference point. I feel very lucky that I had the opportunity to go there and... um, And uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about here, but so, so what's your, what's your feeling of, of this? (laughs) Yeah, well,
3: obviously, I mean, this was like huge, huge news that we've all been, we've all been talking about over the past few days. Um, I think, I mean, I, I feel like it's been unsustainable for a really long time um, because, I mean, to me, the un- unpaid labor is is unacceptable. I really, really don't like that. Even if people are staging, um, interning, externing, whatever you want to call it. I have, we have plenty of externs who have come through pastry department at Gage and Tolner. We always pay people. Um, it's just, it really rubs me the wrong way. And I, so I feel like if you can't uh, pay your staff, uh, and they're upholding this entire operation. It's it's unsustainable, and and so um, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm not really surprised, and I'm sort of glad that he's like saying, yeah, this doesn't work. Um, and I I just don't think that you need to have that kind of rigid back-breaking labor to put out amazing food um I would never want anybody on our team to be working like that and and be so so burnt out and isolated within their station you know only making what was that she was making those like fruit leather beetle um yeah things in the article and it's like that was all she did like there's no it's so isolating you're not you're not cooking you're not uh learning you're not really getting mentored you're just sort of a part of this machine and expected to be perfect and it's it's so punishing and I I don't I don't want that to be uh, part of our industry. That's just, it really, it's, I don't like it. (laughs) And, and that's not to say that, like, there weren't, that, that Noma didn't make incredible, incredible contributions to, um, you know, creativity and, uh, fine dining and the way we see and use ingredients and all of that. But, things have to be sustainable and sustainability has to start with the team and the people who run it. And if you can't pay them and you can't give them, uh, you know, 40 hour work week, give or take and a living wage and health insurance or some kind of some benefits, like that's not, it's not sustainable. And it's also not hospitality, in my opinion. Cause hospitality has got to start with your team and if they're good and they're feeling healthy and taken care of and, uh, and supported in their, in their work environment, um, that's all going to show through the food and there's going to be so much longevity there.
1: Yeah. No, you yeah, have a lot of uh, everything you said and a lot of great points there. And, and, and it's true. And I think, um, it's, it's, I don't know when it's interesting. I have, um, I've been working on this. I have a new book coming out called chef oh. wise and congratulations.
3: That's so exciting.
1: Thank you. Um, it's with Biden and it's coming out the end of March and it's on, um, Uh, leading chefs around the world and their advice. And I just am bringing it up because just in thinking about the advice in this book, the word sustainable and like a sustainable future and what that means. It's a topic that's talked about a bunch um, from chefs from different perspectives of like, that's what we need in the future moving forward and whatever that means. And it's, it's a, it's, I mean, this is like a big topic to kind of jump into but I feel this article is um and what's happening with Noma is kind of it's going this conversation I think this is just the beginning of this conversation now um because of the influence Noma has and and Renee zeppi has had and uh so and what is sustainable like what for I mean I don't I don't think fine dining is dead and it's gonna go away I think there will be ways to for fine dining you know there's places that been like the french laundry or you know that been been around for a long time and and i don't know places figuring out formulas to work and noma did work for a long time or it seemed like it worked um and i think um people wanted to go work there and intern there which for a while was it talked about how it was just um They provided a visa, but they weren't paying their Mm -hmm. interns Um, because it was that thing you can get on your resume. You said, I worked at NOMA and that went, uh, that went far for careers, but, but having a, I don't know, you know, a welcoming or an environment that you want to, that you feel uh, a part of the, not just a part of the team, but you feel like it's. A happy environment, you know the hospitality. I guess in the kitchen and around and and um, and and also learning, as you touched on, like learning more than just one task. Let's say, uh, but I don't know. It's very it's complicated, and I also yeah. having gone having gone to Noma. I just have to say, like it's it was. You had I had the highest ex- expectations, and it yet still lived up to them because yeah it's, that's amazing yeah it's like the um the service the ambiance and the food there was some there's something really magical about what they've been doing there and so um i don't know yeah it's kind of i, I guess my my thoughts are all over yeah
3: i mean it's totally and i and i agree with you like is fine dining dead no but i think you know and there's always going to be various Uh, you know, tiers of dining and, you know, fast casual and, you know, groceries and that kind of thing. Like we're always going to have these different, you know, tiers of dining and dining experiences, I should say. Um, But I think that uh, that, that age of, of, you know, the unpaid stage and the, the really sort of punishing, hours and uh, work environment, I I hope that that is a thing of the past. Um, yes. I just, I, I, I don't think that you need it to make amazing food. And I think people, if they're working and, and helping bring in money for your business so it can keep going, like you gotta, you gotta pay people. And um, if that means raising your prices and- you know, uh, buying, you know, less expensive, uh, glassware or whatever it is, you know, I, to me, that is, uh, that's really important.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. And, and I think, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see with, Noma's been I don't think they're they're do, doing a a pop-up um this year in Japan and they've done one in Mexico and they've done them around the world and I I feel these there's going to keep you know there's still going to be opportunities to kind of experience what Noma does and their magic and this is like a new but it's like a new a new future or a new new
3: tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll probably like I I hope it becomes um you know more of a, because they do such innovative, cool stuff. I mean, like the fermentation stuff is amazing. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for it to become, you know, more about, you know, teaching and learning and research and, and writing and all this stuff. And then you kind of like can experience it through that. Um, that would be very, very cool to see. And it sounds like that's what they, they are, you know, moving towards.
1: Yeah. And it, there was a, a little, uh, reminded me, a little reference also to El Boulis when that mm-hmm. closed, it turned into a, a research uh, yeah, facility. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I think everything has its run. I don't know. I mean, I was surprised to hear the news, but I also, in a sense, wasn't. Yeah, so. yeah,
3: definitely. And, but just beyond that, I mean, you know, restaurants, even when it's not, you're not being asked to work, these crazy hours in this abusive environment, like it's always hard, you know, and there's, it's, it's always going to be um, a very tough industry to uh, survive and thrive in until there's like, I don't know, sweeping changes and, you know, mm-hmm. legislation and things like that. And that's a whole other episode, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's, it's also like, I, I get it when, when somebody's like felt like their, their place has, has run its course. And it's like, okay, it's time to, it's time to do something else now.
1: I get it. Yes, absolutely. And wishing, wishing the best to Renee yeah. and his his team and to the next chapter and yes. look forward to seeing what that is. Absolutely. So um, before my solo dining experience, I just, I, I have some sad news I want to share that recently happened uh, uh, that, The chef, King Vojanakong, has passed away. Yeah, I heard. It's so sad. So, so sad. So sad. He was 54, and the cause of death was some rare disease um, that attacks the spinal cord and brain. Um, And he is known as a pioneer of of Filipino food in New York Mm -hmm. with his restaurant, Kuma Inn and um he was a guest on my podcast back in 2015 he came on the show it was episode 74 and it was with jimmy carboni and they were doing they were they teamed up on a a a pop-up like well he was doing food at jimmy's uh number 43 they like had a combo menu going on so um I got to know him a little bit. I've had his food. I've been to Kuma Inn. I loved it. And he was such a warm, genuine, kind person. I mean, I posted this online that like the picture I reposted of us, you could just, just in his smile, you could just see, you could just see his kindness. And so really sad about it. And my sincerest condolences to King's family and friends. And I, I posted on if on my instagram and in, in the the link in bio, there is a a link to a GoFundMe that they put up in support of his family. If anyone does feel they want to contribute, um it's there, and it's just really sad. so
3: yeah, it's heartbreaking.
1: It's awful. So yeah, um okay. I just had to put that out there. and um it's a lot. Okay, so for my solo dining experience this week, this week I went to Teresi Bar and Restaurant. So here is the rundown. The location, 275 Mulberry Street in the iconic Puck Building in Soho, New York City. The concept is a new Italian restaurant from the creative forces at the major food group. The co-founders and managing partners are Chef Rich Tracy, Jeff Salasnick, chef Mario Carbone, and the executive chef is Charlie England and director of culinary development is Alex Leonard. Why'd I go? Well, it's another hot spot that just opened from the major food group. These guys are just on fire. I don't know how they're doing it, but here they, here they are. And, um, I was curious. I really wanted to go. So right before Christmas, it was that week in New York, um, freezing here uh very hard to get a reservation at this restaurant like almost impossible I guess you unless you kind of know someone you're going to go at like 11:30 at night which I did see reservations <laughs> available for um but so what I did is I went as a walk-in and I went early they open at five I got there about 450 and there were already like five people waiting and we all kind of waited in the little corridor together to stay warm and um They opened right at five and we all got in and I got a nice seat at the bar and it was so, I mean, it was good. I'll explain later. This this is the space that used to be the chef's club in New York. So I was familiar with the space. It was kind of cool to see uh, what they did to change it up. I didn't notice that much difference, but it had this amazing warm warm feeling to it and the bar is so welcoming um it's a giant space but it's actually very welcoming um and and warming I guess because it was so freezing out that it just felt like I didn't want to (laughs) leave but um I had a really nice time so what did I get so as a, a starter I got the cucumbers New York AC I had the antipasti tuna with pickled copanata I had pasta I had tortellini pomodoro skipped having a main, and then I had dessert. I had chocolate and hazelnut Napoleon, and I also had some green tea. So my take, love the cucumbers, and I'm someone, I don't really like plain cucumbers, but if you dress them up really well, I'm good to go. So this is a delicious cucumber dish. Uh, The tuna was fantastic. It was kind of like a raw tuna tartare um, with the the caponata and um, it was really delicious and then the pasta was spectacular the tortellini were these like pillowy little packages and they were filled with sweet cows ricotta milk ricotta and it had a wonderful confit tomato sauce Um, it was it was it was like decadent yet light it wasn't like overly heavy heavy at all it was um it was perfect and my dessert, I loved it. It was a a Napoleon, um, you know, which, as you know, the um can crack all over the place when you kind of smash <laughs> into it. Yeah. Uh, so this one didn't didn't I didn't make that much of a mess, but it was it was really, it was really delicious. And I did take, I didn't finish the whole thing and I took leftovers of it and I did it was great. It saved. And so I was I was happy about that because sometimes getting dessert can be challenging. As a solo person, because because it's a lot, and as I you know, I like having that bite, but I don't want it all to go to waste, so I didn't waste it. I had it a different time later, the rest, and really enjoyed it.
3: And you know, chocolate hazelnut, you can't go wrong with that combination. That's like one of my favorites. So.
1: You, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And coming from you, the vanilla girl, no.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well, I want a scoop of vanilla ice cream with it.
1: Uh, 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 that wouldn't, yeah, that wouldn't have been so, yeah, that could have worked. I wouldn't, it. but it didn't, I don't think it needed it, but. Um, no, of course yeah. not. No, it doesn't. Um. Okay. So little more about my experience. So the ambiance, as I said, it took over the chef's club, which was what uh, executive chef Didier Lena, he was my guest back on episode 53 at the time when he was running it. And then it closed, um, I don't know, it closed a few years ago. And then the major food group took it over. They've been working on this for a while, bringing back Teresi. So it's... um, I didn't, yeah, as I said, it's similar to what it was. The bar is still up front. I think they took out some of the, there were some seats in front of the, it's a huge open kitchen in the middle. Um, and they took some of the like seats out right in front and more have a pass there, but um, it felt familiar and, and great. Uh, so I was happy that space is being used again. I'd say it's this uh perfect for going solo or date night if you can get a reservation or go as a walk-in. I mean, just walk-in works. So interesting tidbit. So Teresi Italian Specialties originally opened in 2009 on Mulberry Street. And it was one of the most beloved spots in the city. It was a sandwich shop by day. And at night they had a 20 seat restaurant. It was tight. I mean, and they had a daily changing menu. And I think initially when it opened, it was $50, um, I guess it was a prefix. And um, it had closed in 2015. And I remember I went, I think I went twice. I think I went once solo and once with a friend. They didn't take reservations. So you had to get in line and wait. And it was a really popular spot. So this is like the new version of it, which is like different yet the same so it's really it's it's great to have it back and that was my kind of jumped into my personal fun fact was about having dining there and also I remember the space being so tight and the bathroom being like downstairs like kind of like these like little little staircase and going down it was just it was almost it was completely the opposite of this new space actually as I think about it but still stellar food so the cost of my meal um at the new Teresi was $93. That's not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. And their website is majorfood.com and Instagram majorfoodgroup. So there you go. There you go. Hot, new, hard to get into restaurant in Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so it's time for the final question. Okay. So my next guest is Andrew Chasen and he is the co-founder of Fresh Management or it's MGMT gonna have to ask him how if he does do that management pronunciation mm-hmm. um, but he represents some of the biggest and most influential people in the food world including Jose Andres, Aaron Aron Sanchez, Carl Hall, Roy Choi and he used to be he was formerly the head of culinary at caa um so he's been he's been working with culinary talent a long time uh so caroline what would you like to ask andrew um okay so i was thinking about this because i
3: i a good manager is just is so important and like i mean i have amazing, amazing manager. Um, and so I know how valuable, uh, uh, good management is. Um, so what I would love to know is, um, with, with so many clients or you have, you know, your, your handful of, uh, chefs you represent, how do you, um, go about kind of creating and curating, uh, you know, uh, specific, uh, you know, deals and partnerships for them? Like, how do you go about making it, um, really like their brand and, and what, what does that entail? Like what goes into that? I'm sure that's like a massive question that's going to take him like
1: an hour. (laughs) I'll just start the show with that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> just
3: basically tell me how you do
1: everything. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope it, to find out.
3: Yes. Yeah. But it is, it's a talent. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would just love to know more about kind of, um, personal, personalizing, um, all of these partnerships and, uh, deals and media things that that come our way like how do you kind of really get to know your your clients and and make something special for them
1: great question great questions I will ask and find out and I will listen I can't wait (laughs) thanks I'm really looking forward to having having him on we've I've talked about it with him for a while and finally got a date on the calendar so um yeah, I look forward to chatting with him and uh, hearing what he has to say. So that's the show. Um, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure, and I'm just in—I'm pretty much in awe of your career and everything you're doing. And also, I didn't had in my notes to mention that you were recently on GMA, Good Morning America, and I loved yeah. your segment. And it's oh, just—it's amazing you. to see you everywhere and doing what you're doing and bringing joy and sweets to the world. So
3: thank you so much. That means the world coming from you. And this has been an absolute, absolute joy and pleasure and come visit us Gage and Tolner anytime.
1: I will. And everyone else should too, because you'll have a really great time. If you go, I trust, trust us. (laughs) (laughs) So congratulations. And I look forward to seeing you. you soon and uh, stay well. You too. Bye. Bye. So my guest today has been Caroline Schiff. She is the executive pastry chef at Gage and Tolner. And you can find out more on their website at gageandtolner.com and follow her at Pastry dot and at tolner. And you can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry and my websites are bayerpublicrelations.com, sherrybayer.com, and allintheindustry.com. All of our shows are archived at org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Also, as I mentioned earlier, check out my new book coming out, Chef Wise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World. It is coming out the end of march and it's by fiden and i'm super excited about it and it's available now for pre-order and you can find it at fiden.com or amazon.com and if you just search for chef wise as one word or search for my name you'll be able to find it thanks to my engineer today armin thanks again to caroline and to our publicist nikki i'm your host and producer sherry bayer i will be back next week with a new show Hope you'll tune in then, and thank you, as always, for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.